All right, hockey fans, listen up because we've got something special cooked up for playoff season. It's called the Daily Faceoff Playoff Parlay Challenge, and it's going to add some serious spice to your playoff experience. Now, here's the deal every playoff game, you're going to be faced with a handful of questions. It's like your own personal playoff puzzle, and it's free to join. And there are prizes because who doesn't love winning stuff? Daily winners, you're getting hooked up with gift cards. Treat yourself to some nation gear or maybe even your favorite jersey. And for the big dogs, the people who can win an entire round, it's straight, cold, hard cash. We're talking about real dough for your hockey knowledge. So lace up those skates, stretch those thumbs, and get ready to show off your hockey IQ in the daily face-off playoff parlay challenge. Sign up today and play every game day at games.dailyfaceoff.com and prove your puck prowess. Cool fact, a crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Also, you can get health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Welcome in to Daily Faceoff Live, your go-to source for everything hockey. Live every weekday at noon Eastern. It's a May 18th edition of Daily Faceoff Live, brought to you by Patano. The game starts now at patano.ca. I'm Tyler Urumchuk. He is former NHL goaltender turned Daily Faceoff analyst, Mike McKenna. Mike, it's only been a couple of days without Stanley Cup playoff hockey, but a two-day gap feels like a two-month gap this time of year. It's been kind of nice to breathe a little bit, hasn't it? I got to watch my daughter play yeah. goalie in a goalie mask for the first time and other stuff. So um, I think we're recharged just as much as the players probably are. And these four teams, honestly, probably needed it. So I, I think we're going to see yeah. some pretty fast hockey on the ice after those couple of days off. We are going to preview tonight's Eastern Conference Final from every perspective, but first we'll get to the storyline that dominated hockey headlines over the last, well, 72 hours with there not being a lot of hockey to play on the ice. Everyone was talking about what's going on in Arizona. Yesterday, we covered the fact that the vote did not go the way of the Arizona Coyotes. Now... We have news that they're going to stay in the desert for one more year. And it all kind of happened quickly yesterday. It felt like all morning. It was like, okay, Houston, Salt Lake City, Kansas City. Patrick Mahomes is out here throwing out tweets about how the NHL should go to KC. And then we get the report that was confirmed. Greg Wyshynski had it initially. And then Bill Daly came out and said, hey, this team's staying in Arizona for one more year. And yes, the Coyotes plan to play one more season at Mullet Arena. And Mike... With no future plans, I can't help but think this is just still a sinking ship, even though they got the letter to season ticket holders and the NHL saying, nope, we're going to have one more season in Tempe and we're going to try to figure this thing out. I, I'm just not sure if they can figure this out, Mike. 
Yeah, good luck. I mean, how many chances have they had? Like, it didn't work downtown in what used to be America West Arena. That I actually played ECHL games in that building. It's not built for hockey. It's a basketball arena. You can't re retrofit that. They don't want them downtown anyway. The only, the only way that Coyotes stay in, in Phoenix is if a new downtown rink gets built with the Suns. I don't see it happening. I don't know what the answer is. But the players don't want to be at Mullet Arena, man. This is sick. They're sick of it. Like, this has just been minor league It's for way too long there. Like, it's been a joke how this has been all handled, man. And you even saw it yesterday that Clayton Keller's dad, in a tweet that's since been deleted, said, Keller will not be there at the start of the season. And that's like, here's a 24-year-old man whose dad is saying his son won't be there to play next year at the beginning of the season. And... I mean, I don't know if that's a veiled threat. That's now gone. That's been taken down. Yeah. But honestly, man, what it really does when you dig at the core of it is it says, because you know that Clayton and his dad are talking here. The players yeah. think it's a joke, man. Like, they're sick of it. They yeah. want to be treated like a real NHL franchise. They're ne that's they're going to keep spinning wheels in the desert until they finally get a place to play. And it's just, to me, it's not going to happen in Arizona. I hate that. I wish it could work. But if the voters don't want it, if people haven't spoken with their wallets, square peg in a round hole and it sucks because that's a great place to be and play but it seems like the reality is a year from now we're going to be talking about where this team is headed yeah i think you're 100 right listen this is just kicking the can down the road a little bit and i worry and i made this reference the other day with frank i worry about an oakland A's kind of situation here where mm -hmm. if it's one more year in tempe just to try figure it out okay well that can't be a solution because one more year well, that doesn't really bring you a lot closer to planning, developing, getting set for a new arena. That'll take another four or five years now that this yep. process has been reset. So you're going to stay at Mullet Arena for four or five years? Well, that's going to piss off the players. Are you going to say, no, it's one more year than we are moving them to Houston? Well, enjoy having, what, 300 Coyotes fans at every game, maybe a couple thousand visiting fans that want to come down and see a game yeah. at Mullet Arena, but it's going to be Oakland A's-esque, Mike. Like That, that market's just going to completely they'll leave them. They'll just walk away. Yeah. I'll give you a great example real quick to wrap on this. I remember when they announced that the St. John's ice caps in the American hockey league were leaving town and the AHL was going to leave St. John's a place that supports hockey. Like you wouldn't believe. And guess what? Mm -hmm. People didn't show up to watch the, the swan song. People aren't going to show up in Arizona to watch the coyote swan song. They're going to say, see you later. They're going to bleed money. It's time to sell the franchise and move it. Done deal. Get rid of yeah. it. Get it out of town. And I can't stand Especially, that, but it's reality. Yeah, and it sucks, right? You don't want to dance on the grave of a fan base or an organization yeah. like that. But it just it feels inevitable that they got to go somewhere else. And uh, yes, <laughs> very fair. My poor Yotes, man. My yeah. one game that I got clobbered in in, in <laughs> Denver. <sighs> Were you ever a Houston Arrow, though? I played at Houston. Uh, okay. It wasn't a Houston Arrow. Worst ice I've ever skated on, but they had pretty good fans, and there's history there. We'll see. Uh, no one is happier to have the Eastern Conference Finals start tonight than probably the NHL itself to get this Coyote storyline out of the news cycle a bit. So let's dig into things. Our pal John Goins is going to stop by in about 10 minutes and give us a bit of a tactical breakdown of this series. But Mike, your expertise is between the pipes, so let's talk about Sergei Bobrovsky versus Freddie Anderson. Here are the numbers between these two. Who has the edge in the crease between the Panthers and Canes? Bobrovsky has been more important to his team than Freddie Anderson. 
And that's not to knock Freddie Anderson, who had a good series against the Leafs. He did face some adversity. Game three, he allowed four goals on 12 shots. He was pulled. But in games five and six, uh, he allowed just three goals combined to get his team past the um, to get, get his team past the New Jersey Devils. I pardon me, not the Leafs. But it, the, the thing for me with Anderson, Tyler, is that he just hasn't faced a lot of shots or a lot of opportunity. Really, game five from the Devils was a huge game for him. It's about the only time he was tested. So um, he's only faced over 30 shots once. He's averaging 26 against. And, and for me, the Panthers have to be direct against Freddie Anderson. Nearly half the goals that he's allowed in the playoffs have been on clean shots. And during the year, the rush game is where Anderson really struggled. So I think the Panthers just straight up have to get the puck on their blade, be confident, be assertive. Don't look for an extra pass. Get it to the net. Uh, Freddie Anderson is 11-4-3 lifetime against the Panthers. So that's on his side. And then you flip it to Bobrovsky, who, I mean, he was just utterly dominant against the Maple Leafs, man. And, and he was okay in the first round against the Bruins when he took over for Alex Lyon. But what he did against the Leafs was, was really impressive to me. And, you know, the thing for me with Bob is that he can be a streaky goaltender. He'll go six, seven games, lights out. He'll come back down to earth because he's the type of goalie that, he, he, most goalies have to manufacture some energy. He doesn't. He has to rein it in and control it. And it plays into what makes him vulnerable. Side-to-side -side plays, especially down low uh, across that line in the middle of the ice, is where he's vulnerable. 50% uh, or so during, of goals during the regular season went in when the puck moved across in front of him. That's up about 12% over league-wide averages. And in the playoffs, it's in the high 60s. So if you're Carolina, you absolutely have to move the puck, get it going, even though Carolina is a screen game. They are a screen team, throwing pucks from the point. Uh, Bobrovsky, the regular season, was a little below average in that. So keep your eye on that. Passes down low, shots from the point. And interestingly enough, Tyler, Bobrovsky didn't play against Carolina this year. But he does have a 923 wow. save percentage against them lifetime in 27 games. Interesting. You mentioned, you know, getting pucks on net. The Carolina Hurricanes only allowed 30 shots at 5-on-5 five five in a game once in the first two rounds of these playoffs. That was the game where the Devils lit them up for eight goals. So you'd think the Panthers can maybe provide a bit of an offensive push that maybe the Canes haven't seen yet. Just quickly, what's your pick for this series, Mike? I took the Canes in six. And I kind of don't like that because I always like to root for St. Louis guys, but that's Matthew Kachuk for the most part of the Panthers. But there's also Paul Stastny on the Hurricanes. So oh. I'm split, but I really like the mojo of the Panthers. I think they might run up into a defensive wall that they just can't get past with the Hurricanes. Yeah, that's an interesting point. I'm going Panthers in seven. I'm rooting for the underdog, the eight seed, to go to the Stanley Cup Finals. Why not? Uh, four teams, four fan bases, all in on the Stanley Cup playoffs. 28 others, uh, they got their eyes on the offseason. So let's continue our offseason previews. Yesterday, if you missed it, we did Anaheim and Chicago. So we'll keep moving along the draft order here and go to the Columbus Blue Jackets. Yes, Mike McKenna's got a jersey for this one as well. Mike the Blue Jackets made noise. They signed Johnny Goudreau in the offseason. It was supposed to be a team, a scrappy group under Brad Larson that was going to push for a playoff spot. That couldn't have been further from the truth. And part of the way they'll rebound, I think, is from getting healthy. You know, they missed Zach Wierenski mm -hmm. the whole year. That's a blue line that is not very good as is. With no Zach Wierenski, it's, it's putrid. So with getting Wierenski back, that'll help them this year. I think the big holes for this group that Jarmo Kekalainen needs to focus on in the offseason – it's defense, and it's maybe taking a look at the goaltending. Merzlikens and Tarasov, can you trust them? What's your read on this Blue Jackets organization heading into the summer? 
Well, you nailed it about being healthy. That's going to make the team better yeah. in the first place. And when John Tortorella left, they stayed in-house with Brad Larson as head coach. And to me, coaching is actually the big question mark when it comes to the Blue Jackets. And I don't think they'll stay in-house again. They do have Pascal Vincent, Vincent there who has been for a couple of years. I don't think he's going to be the answer. I wonder if Peter Laviolette doesn't get a good look there in Columbus. I don't think he'd be scared of trying to turn that team around. But of course, I think those names out there, the big names, Andrew Burnett, assistant coach of the Devils, he's on everybody's radar right now. I'd like to see two young two guys get a real strong look, though. Jay Leach, who's the assistant with the Seattle Kraken, uh, and Spencer Carberry, assistant of the Toronto Maple Leafs. Yeah. I like both of those two for that fit there. But beyond coaching, um, goaltending, yeah, it was terrible last year. Merzlikens didn't stop anything, man. Like he's got to retool completely. They will have an entirely new coaching staff at goaltending as well. So I'm curious who they bring in in that. I don't think they're going to be able to get different goaltending. I think it's going to be uh, what they really need a center and they need a bit of help on the blue line and they do have money to spend. They're probably going to have about 17 million worth of cap space. So um, question for me though, is who do you get at center if that's what you're targeting? You know, like yeah. there's not a lot out there. I mean, Ryan O'Reilly's 32. Probably not him. Is it JT Comfort? Do you roll the dice on Sean Monahan, hoping he's healthy? Maybe Eric Halla. So that's why I really think coaching is going to be the key because there are players available that they can spend on, but I don't think they're real game changers. So, you know, if they get somebody that can get this team going again behind the bench and they're healthy, I think they can be, I think they can be adequate. But Merzlikens has to overhaul his game as well, or you hope that Tarasov takes over the crease. Yeah, one of those two. I, I love the group they have forming up front. I agree. They probably need another solid yeah. centerman. You look on the wings. Goudreau, Line, a guy like Alexander Tessier is expected to be back with the organization next year. Down the middle, like Boone Jenner, Kent Johnson, Cole Sillinger. I, I forgot to mention Kirill Marchenko, who had a great year on the wings. Like They have the makings of this really good <laughs> forward group. If they draft Leo Carlson third overall, boom, there's another young centerman you can add into the organization. But I agree. Get a veteran centerman to insulate some of these young guys and then go spend however much cap space you have on the best defenseman you can find on the open yep. market because that blue line last year was just flat out not good enough. Uh, let's shift to a Western Conference team now that, I mean, they got the new GM in place last year with Mike Greer and you know they hired David Quinn to be their new head coach, a guy who feels like he's more than just a placeholder through a rebuild. They really wanted David Quinn to grow with this group. I look at this offseason, Mike, and there is one question that will it'll dominate the Sharks offseason talk. Will they finally move on from Eric Carlson? I think they might be kicking themselves a little bit at some point for not taking whatever offer the Oilers gave them at the trade deadline because I felt like the Oilers were really the only slam dunk fit for Carlson at that point. And now Edmonton with Bouchard and Ekholm, they're probably not in the market. I really wonder what their approach will be to Carlson and how much they'll be willing to retain on him. And I think that they need to move Carlson. If you're Mike Greer and you can't get assets for what Carlson is, what he's worth at this point, you're never going to see it again. He's coming off a over a hundred point season as a defenseman. We haven't seen that since Brian Leach in what seems like a decade ago, or a century ago at this point. You know, yeah. um, teams could use his offensive boost, but he's a, he's a very he's a very strict set of parameters for what you need, right? Like you, he's not your shutdown guy. He's not going to kill penalties. You're bringing in Carlson to put points up. Could teams use him? I'm sure. But they have to retain salary. They're not going to get three first-round picks for him. Listen, like the San Jose Sharks have some pretty good prospects that are moving through it forward. They're young. Um, you look at Bordalo, Eklund, 
Gushkin, like pretty good, but they still could use more draft picks if you ask me. I think you got to move Carlson to do that because you're not going to get rid of Flasic with his deal. I don't think you can move Couture at 34 years old with four more years at eight million bucks and dash 30 last year and hurdles probably there. So if you're looking to stockpile and rebuild within the parameters of what's feasible and has value, Carlson's your guy. So this is either shit or get off the pot territory where I don't think you can do it a year or two from now. It's going to have to happen this summer. Uh, it's just a question of how much are they willing to retain and who's out yeah. there? Cause Carlson ultimately can say, no, I don't want to go there. And that may be the question at the end of it when this is all said and done. Eric, how bad do you want to win? Are you willing to go yep. to a team in the top half of the league or only teams that are the top 10? And then that's where you're going to find out how much he really wants to win. Yeah, I think so. And also how it's an, it's a fascinating direction the Sharks can take this in because it's, it's a bit of a fork in the road. You mentioned it, right? Like you have Hurdle, you have Couture, these aging guys up front. You have Carlson, Vlasic on the blue line. Like, do you go this summer and say, no, we're going to retain 50% on Carlson. We're going to buy out Mark Edward Vlasic and take a huge financial hit there. And we're going to commit to trading everything we can for picks and just dive right into a rebuild, which is arguably what you should have done a year ago when Connor Bedard was up for grabs. But I digress. Are they going to buy fully into the rebuild or are they going to sit there and a team with $15 million in cap space and a handful of picks, they have an extra first from the Timo Meyer deal. I think they say, hey, let's try to quickly get some young pieces in here. We're drafting high this year. Throw that guy in the lineup. We got Eklund as well. Maybe they try to do it quickly, but like I think trying to do it quickly, Mike, would be a mistake in San Jose. I completely agree with you. I think it's a three to four year build out. And I think it's feasible where the stages of the young talent that we're playing with the Barracuda this year with what they could supplement in the next two years of drafts. And the best way to do that is to move Carlson, man. There's no way around it. So I think it needs to get done. 100%. Uh, all right, let's move along and get to our pal John Goyens with the coaches room. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass!" So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. 
J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition smart bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Going to go through some key battlegrounds for each of the conference finals with our pal John Goyens. And uh, John, I'm very intrigued for your take on this Canes-Panthers series as we dig into it. Uh, what are kind of the two game plans or areas that these sides are going to try win in this best of seven? I think right off the bat, everybody's just referring to the forecheck, the forecheck, the forecheck for both teams. And the reality is this is where numbers are very, very similar in terms of forechecking, in terms of uh, takeaways in the ozone off the forecheck, in terms of creating offense off the forecheck. These are not what we would call analytic darlings, if you will, when it comes to possession and zone entries with with control or, or uh, D-zone exits with control. They actually both... Uh, rank around the top two teams for dump outs out of their D zone. So in terms of the four check, it's going to be who's going to be able to handle and ha not just handle the pressure, but kind of deflect a bit of the pressure and, and kind of run a few picks from time to time uh, because they are very similar. They don't, again, Carolina, very similar to uh, Florida, which we previewed last week, was they don't want to let you do set breakouts. So they go wide, they squeeze you to the inside, and they're going to make you overhandle pucks. And the other part is that their D sit back, which is a little bit different from uh, Florida, where they're continuously pinching from long range. The difference here is, you see Goss's bear down the wall, is he pre-pinches, but everybody else reloads. So that's why right now Carolina has the lowest rate of on-man rushes against at 5-on-5 five five left out of the four teams. You see, again, they shrink the zone, everybody reloads. You see here Burns, he goes, you got one outlet. Your outlet is weak side, I'm going. I see a puck, I get a puck, and I'm supported. And so they're constantly shrinking zones and taking away time and space without getting drawn out of position or in situations to give up those odd man rushes, which is, which is what is gonna be leading into the next set of videos uh, coming up about Florida. Florida has an aggressiveness about them, right? But we just saw Gosses Bear go all the way to the goal mouth because he saw an opportunity. But what did he do right after? He didn't hang around. He reloaded. Here again, you see D, uh, D1 Slavin shrinks the zone, slides back. He gets his support through the middle. Well, now they get their 2-1-2 aggressive four check. That's got Jersey out of uh, out of whack a little bit slavin reloaded bang he's coming right down the pipe it, it's it's they're continuously pressuring which is very similar to florida however the difference is they shrink the offensive zone versus just pinching continuously now i've been really impressed with how diligent Carolina is about making sure they've always got two players hovering towards the blue line whenever possible. It's not just a third man high. It's a whole team commitment to not just being able to be aggressively aggressive in the offensive zone, but being able to cover up for any mistakes that happen. It's impressive. Um, let's head out to the Western Conference here, and we're going to preview the Dallas Stars and the Vegas Golden Knights. And it's probably easy to characterize this as a battle of special teams where each of these clubs have been good and bad in certain different areas. Uh, and you've got the insight for us going into it. 
Well, is this going to be finally the round that, you know, a team with a 60% PK gets sunk because their special teams just, they, they just can't hold the fort any, any longer because the, the part that's a real strength for Vegas currently right now was, and what helped them against Edmonton was that five on five, they kept them to the outside. And that's why they're plus 16. They're the highest scoring team left in the playoffs right now with 31 goals for at five on five and the least amount of goals at 15 for a plus 16 rating. Whereas Dallas right now is 29, four, 29, uh, 28 against at a plus one. The only thing is, is at five on five, both these teams can score in very similar manners. They want to attack quickly off the rush. They recover pucks at a very quick pace but they also after those recoveries are looking for those quick strikes once again they hover around the same ranking for scoring off the rush off the forecheck off the cycle off rebounds and very similar in zone time or offensive zone possession zone time so who's going to be that much better at five on five of deflecting everything to the outside forcing teams to slow down through the neutral zone. And I think that's going to be the biggest key for both these teams is you got the head and you got the feet. That's the offensive zone and you got the defensive zone. The spine, the backbone of your game is going to be that transition zone, that neutral zone, whether it's speed, whether it's turnovers, whether it's quick ups, whether it's just puck management in general. We see, I, I literally alternated the scoring chances or the goals here between the two teams. They just score in very, very similar manners. The one area where Dallas does do a better job, obviously with uh, Joe Pavelski leading the way, is deflection goals. So will this be a five-on-five -five series or will this be the series that could potentially be won or lost because of special teams for the Vegas Knights? Uh, Golden Knights, excuse me. It is going to be fascinating. John Goins, the head coach of the Cape Breton Eagles. You can find him on Twitter at Gourmet underscore hockey. Always appreciate the insight, man. Enjoy game one tonight. Thanks, guys. Always an education with our pal John Goyens on the show. Let's move along to our daily face-off inbox question. Hashtag AskDFO Mike, and we're going to play a little one word to describe this interaction between London Knights player Ryan Humphrey and the penalty box attendant in their game. Look at this. They are heated. You got, The tweet here says his name is Gord. Gord's hitting them with the clipboard, and then they were <laughs> screaming, Gord's all red. And then oh, they're, they're sitting and chuckling after. He gave him a tap as he's heading out of the box, and then after uh, we got this, uh, this nice clip of the two of them sitting in the penalty box together, having a nice chuckle afterwards. They're all friendly again. Uh, Mike, one word to describe this. Canada. That's it, man. <laughs> like being an American and seeing this and knowing how like intrinsically tied this is with what I've experienced in Canada, where you can just scream and yell at each other. And then two seconds later, you're having a beer together, which is what we're playing. We're watching here. I, that's all it came to me. Like this is the ultimate Canadian experience in hockey from what I've been around at least. And I don't know, man, it just makes me smile. It shows you can argue and, and go back and still be able to be friends. And, and just as soon as cooler heads prevail, yeah, life works all right. What's your word? 
Yeah, mine is just playoffs uh, because that's really what it is, right? You're so heated in the moment. It could be a teammate, the opposition, the ref, the penalty box attendant, I guess. And then as soon yeah. as the switch kind of flips, it's like, ah, okay, yeah, we're all good. We understand why everyone's getting all intense here right now and like yeah. kind of all's forgiven. I, I love that. I love your Canada word as well. It makes me think of my beer league games where you're screaming at some guy, calling him every name in the book, and then you go walk out to your truck after and they're like, hey, you want a beer? And you're like, oh yeah, I can yeah. stay for a beer with you guys. Why not? <laughs> what I like, what I like about it, Tyler, is that my my dad's an off ice official um, in yeah. St. Louis. He's an NHL employee and, do, and does that. Sometimes he is in the penalty bench, and um, you see those interactions are are pretty heated. Sometimes. I remember earlier this year, Tori Krug went absolutely bananas and nearly smashed a stick. It's like, man, chill out, you know. But yeah. thankfully, in this type of scenario, Gord had that fatherly aspect, grandfatherly aspect, telling yeah. the young man that you need to simmer down. So <laughs> it was awesome. Uh, let's move along to our Botano Daily Bets. Finally, some hockey to wager on this evening. Shout out to Botano. The game starts now at Botano.ca and the Eastern Conference Finals start tonight. And I got two plays, both player props locked and loaded for this one, starting with a shot prop from the Carolina Hurricanes. It's Marty Natchez. The payout is okay, minus 143. The line is set at two and a half. Natchez in four of his last five has hit this, including getting up to four shots in two of those games. And the game he missed, he only missed by one. Firing the puck a ton. I like Natchez in game one to shoot the puck and get at least two and or at least three shots on goal. And then I'm going to the Panthers side of things with a point prop for this hockey game. And they got five players listed on Batano. The one with the best payout is Anthony Duclair. Playing up in the top six, getting a lot of minutes, and he scooped up a point in four of the five games in that last series against the Toronto Maple Leafs. It might be hard to solve this Canes blue line, but Anthony Duclair in the top six and paying out plus money at plus 115, that is a nice spot for me to wager on Duclair getting at least a point in tonight's game one between the Canes and Panthers. All those lines brought to you by Botano.ca. Let's wrap up the show with a little garbage time, Mike. What do you got? Uh, not too much on the garbage side, but just an interesting footnote here that longtime NHL defenseman Ron Hainsey was appointed yesterday as the assistant director of the NHLPA. And, and that's a big step, man, like to put a former player that high up. He'll be reporting directly to Marty Walsh, who he was Hainsey was pretty important in Walsh being hired as the executive director of the NHLPA. So I think like at the surface, it kind of looks like, oh, yeah, get me a job, scratch your back. But you know, Hainsey was involved. He was a player up for five years. Uh, he, he was on the competition committee. He was involved in 2012-13 negotiations coming out of that lockout, 2020 negotiations. And I think when they described his role with the NHLPA, the thing that stands out to me, Tyler, is that Hainsey will be, his previous role was very much rooted in a special emphasis on enhancing the communication within the NHLPA. And, and that's important because I can kind of see Hainsey as being that bridge between the players and Walsh and Walsh having really to learn an awful lot about the inner workings of the players, of the union itself, and, and Hainsey will bridge that. So um, it's a congrats to Ron Hainsey, but it's also, again, it, it is interesting to me to see him as the assistant director, right? Like this isn't a lower role. Yeah. This isn't like a, a regional guy or, or, or the guy you go have wine with, like, this could potentially put Ron Hainsey in the driver's seat to eventually be the NHLPA director. And it would really be something to see a former player be in the mix for that role eventually someday. 
Interesting stuff. Yeah, the NHLPA thing. Casual fans really only ever hear about it uh, when there's a lockout looming. But uh, there is stuff going on behind the scenes there all the time. We got a couple of minutes here before we wrap up the show, Mike. So I want to throw you this one from the DFO YouTube chat. Tony Couture is in, and he wants to know which NHL head coach left in the Final Four could have the biggest impact on their series. When you look at the likes of Brindamore, DeBoer, Bruce Cassidy as well, and Paul Maurice in Florida, which one of those guys do you think can impact their series the most? Oh, tough question for sure. I mean, I think Maurice has done a pretty good job in rallying the troops, but to me, it's going to come down to um, the team that can systematically execute. You know, like Brindamore really shouldn't have to do much, right? Cassidy, they're pretty well oiled. I, I actually think Pete DeBoer is the one that's probably got the greatest level of impact, especially going against his former team in the Vegas Golden Knights. You know, even though um, he isn't behind the bench any longer, he knows that team inside and out, knows you know, every little detail about the players. So I think that there's maybe an extra level to DeBoer in this series in the Western Conference just simply because of that prior experience with the club he's facing. QF Pro also chimed in, asked if Edmonton's not a fit for Carlson. We touched on that a little bit earlier. Edmonton can't afford another high-priced D-man. No. They made, made their move. They got their EK. It was just Ekholm, not EK Eric Carlson. Uh, that is a wrap on today's show. Fantastic stuff, as always. Mike McKenna, and a big shout-out to John Goins for hopping in as well. We'll be back tomorrow to wrap up the week with a Friday edition of DFO Live. See you at noon Eastern, everybody. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health-monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Okay, I have two new obsessions that I need to share with you. Impress No Glue Press-On Manny's and Impress Press-On Falsies Lashes. Trust me, these are getting ready game changers. Both require no glue, so there is no damage to your natural nails and lashes, no mess, and no annoying dry times. Just one step and you're done. Boom. Instant glam. Visit impressbeauty.com slash presson and use code presson25 at checkout for 25% off Impress Manicure and Press-On Falsies. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. 
All right, hockey fans, listen up because we've got something special coming your way this playoff season. It's called the Daily Faceoff Playoff Parlay Challenge, and let me tell you, it's going to add some serious spice to your playoff experience. Now, here's the deal. Every playoff game day, you're going to be faced with four questions. It's like your own personal playoff puzzle. And here's a sneak peek into some of those questions we'll be firing your way. First up, you got to pick the winning team. That sounds simple, right? But there's more. You got to decide if the total amount of goals in the game will be over or under a certain amount. And that's where the real strategy starts to kick in. Next up, you're picking who's going to find the back of the net first. And you're going to want to be careful because that's one that could be cooked early on in the game. And finally, you got to predict which period is going to be the highest scoring. Will it be a barn burner in the first, a shootout in the second, or a nail biter in the third? That's up to you to decide. Now let's talk about prizes because who doesn't love winning stuff? For the daily winners, you're getting hooked up with gift cards to treat yourself to some fresh nation gear, and you might even win a jersey from your favorite team. And for the big dogs, those who can win an entire round, it's straight, cold, hard cash. We're talking real dough for your hockey knowledge. So lace up those skates, stretch those thumbs, and get ready to show off your hockey IQ in the Daily Faceoff Playoff Parlay Challenge. Play now at games.dailyfaceoff.com and prove your puck prowess.